Hello and welcome to Words of Wisdom, a podcast dedicated to reflecting on the wisdom of the Book of Proverbs. Your host is Dr. Jerry Weirwall, who will share life-giving truth from Proverbs that will help us become wise and discerning. Wisdom is a journey, and we hope you will join us for this exciting adventure. Proverbs chapter 6, verses 27 through 29, and verses 32 through 35 say, Can a man snatch up fire against his chest, and his clothes not be burnt? Or can a man walk upon hot coals, and his feet not get burned? So is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife. All who touch her will not go unpunished. The man committing adultery with a woman lacks sense. He who does this is destroying his own soul. He will find affliction and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be blotted out. For jealousy enrages a husband, and he will not spare him in the day of his vengeance. He will not be persuaded by any ransom, nor will he be satisfied when you make many bribes. This section can be assigned to the ninth wisdom lecture that appears in chapters 1 through 9 at the beginning of the book of Proverbs. Chapters 1 through 9 can be divided into 10 wisdom speeches or lectures that deal with different themes and topics. The final two speeches, the ninth and the 10th, that appear in chapters 6 and 7 contain warnings about adultery and seductive women. In this episode, I want us to consider only a portion of the ninth lecture that talks about adultery. The opening imagery in verse 27 is couched in the form of a rhetorical question. A rhetorical question is asked not because the writer is suggesting the reader needs to figure out the answer, for the answer is usually obvious. The purpose for asking a rhetorical question is twofold. One, for dramatic effect, and two, to set the tone or premise for subsequent arguments. Rhetorical questions are a literary device that are often used in discourse as part of a strategy to persuade and convince the reader of the validity of an argument, and thereby the reader comes to agree with the writer. The rhetorical question that the writer here, King Solomon, is posing at the outset of this section is, can a man snatch up fire against his chest and his clothes not be burnt? Or can a man walk upon hot coals? and his feet not get burned? Upon reading this, we immediately and naturally answer, of course he can't. He will get burned. Anyone who has any experience with fire or hot coals knows that they are extremely hot and that they burn whatever they touch, unless it is like a material such as metal or ceramic that can withstand the temperature. But we're talking about clothing here and bare feet. Clothing is not fireproof and surely One's feet are not heat-resistant to the point that hot coals will not sear their flesh. This is a vivid picture of an absurdity. To get the reader's attention, no clear-thinking individual would ever answer, yes, he can, to these rhetorical questions. So after setting up the logical precedent and expectation, then, in verse 29, it delivers the corollary for the reader to understand the point of the rhetorical questions. In the same way as fire will burn your clothing and hot coals will scorch your feet, so is the one who goes into his neighbor's wife. All who touch her will not go unpunished. Wow! Talk about a clean one-two punch. But what does it mean to go into his neighbor's wife and to touch her? 
Well, these are two common biblical euphemisms that refer to sexual intercourse. Essentially, Solomon is referring to committing adultery. He is warning his son about the dangers of sleeping with another man's wife and likens the experience to that of having fire on your clothing or walking upon hot coals with your bare feet. You are going to get burned. How much clearer can Solomon be about the dangers of adultery? The reader must see the principle at work in Solomon's warning. It is a person cannot avoid the natural consequences of their actions. If you sleep with another man's wife, the proverb warns that you will not go unpunished. The question is, who is doing the punishing? The answer to that question is not specified directly here but is expounded upon in verses 32 through 35, where it says, The man committing adultery with a woman lacks sense. He who does this is destroying his own soul. He will find affliction and dishonor, and his disgrace will not be blotted out. For jealousy enrages a husband, and he will not spare him in the day of his vengeance. He will not be persuaded by any ransom, nor will he be satisfied when you make many bribes. In verse 32, rather than using the rhetorical questions like we saw in verses 27 and 28, a direct statement is made. The man committing adultery with a woman lacks sense. In other words, the act of committing adultery is about as dumb as picking up fire with your shirt or dancing on hot coals with no shoes on. And as verse 32 explains, it is a self-destructive behavior. You are destroying your own soul. Now, what does it mean that the adulterer is destroying his own soul? Well, the phrase is idiomatic, and the word soul is likely being used here as a metonymy for the person's life. Thus, to destroy one's soul, it means to ruin one's life. The warning is now explicitly stated, sleeping with your neighbor's wife will ruin your life. Just as surely as fire will consume your clothing and hot coals will burn your feet. The natural question that arises next is, how is a person's life ruined if he sleeps with his neighbor's wife? Well, verses 33 through 35 spell out the collateral damage that will fall upon the adulterer. It says, he will find affliction and dishonor and his disgrace will not be blotted out. For jealousy enrages a husband, and he will not spare him in the day of his vengeance. He will not be persuaded by any ransom, nor will he be satisfied when you make many bribes. Adultery, first and foremost, it says, will issue in affliction and dishonor and disgrace. Now, keep in mind, Proverbs was written within the ancient Israelite religious culture where adultery was condemned by Yahweh as evil. And therefore, it was a matter of lawful obedience to Yahweh and social order for the community to inflict punishment upon those who violated Yahweh's commandments. The laws of the Sinai Covenant stipulate harsh punishment for sexual immorality. Regarding adultery, Leviticus 20 verse 10 says, If a man commits adultery with a married woman, if he commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. A similar punishment is stipulated also in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 22, where it says, 
if a man is discovered having sexual relations with another man's wife, both the man who had sex with the woman and the woman must die. You must purge the evil from Israel. If we look at the expected punishment described in the proverb, it refers to affliction, dishonor, and disgrace. The difference between the punishment stated in the law for committing adultery and the punishment described here in the book of Proverbs is likely due to the fact that the goal of Proverbs is not to reiterate the code of the law in a judicial sense where applicable, but rather to motivate wise and godly behavior through persuasion and reason. We can assume that in the scenario the man committed adultery with another Israelite woman and therefore should incur the penalty of a death sentence along with the woman, but we cannot be sure that this is the case that Proverbs has in mind. Regardless of the national or ethnic background of the woman, one thing is true no matter where you live if you sleep with another man's wife. Verses 34 and 35 explain, For jealousy enrages a husband, and he will not spare him in the day of his judgment. He will not be persuaded by any ransom, nor will he be satisfied when you make many bribes. I think that this might be the take-home message of this part of the book of Proverbs. In the concluding verses of this section, we find the human response vividly articulated. If a person sleeps with another man's wife, the husband will be furious and will set out to exact revenge against the perpetrator who violated the marriage covenant between him and his wife. He will become jealous and enraged at the injustice and evil that has been committed against him. He will show no mercy against the adulterer, and nothing will appease him from exacting his revenge. No matter of explanation or rationale about why he did it or the love he has for the man's wife, and no sum of money or bribe can smooth things over. Money will not suffice. Nothing the adulterer can offer will buy his way out of receiving the punishment he deserves. In our day, even though adultery is generally legal and has no accompanying criminal punishment associated with it, the reality of the husband's rage inflicting harm upon the adulterer still rings true. There are countless cases that you can find in the news and you can hear about where whether it be someone physically attacking the adulterer, stealing from them, defacing their property, suing them, and even killing them. And all the above and more are natural responses of humans toward those who have slept with their wife. The jealous rage of a husband toward his wife knows no bounds, and people will stop at nothing to harm or destroy the person who has violated their marriage in this way. In order to illustrate this proverb, I want to tell you about an incident involving a man named Jonathan Amaralt. But before we introduce him any further, we need to start the story with another man named Armando Barron. Armando and his wife Brittany were a young couple living in Jaffrey, New Hampshire. They were both just over 30 years old. Brittany was 31 and Armando was 30. And at one point in late September of 2020, Armando became suspicious about the activities of his wife, Brittany. In order to investigate his hunch, Armando secretly began snooping in Brittany's phone. And as he was going through her text messages, he stumbled across a thread involving Brittany and Jonathan Amaralt. To Armando's shock, the text thread contained undeniable evidence 
of an affair between Brittany and Jonathan. Armando was furious at the discovery of the betrayal, and in a fit of rage, he began to assault his wife, Brittany, striking her repeatedly, and then he threatened to kill her by putting a gun in her mouth. But this was only just the beginning. In his jealous rage, Armando wanted revenge against Jonathan Amaralt. So later that night, Armando used his wife's phone, and by impersonating his wife, he texted Amaralt and lured him out to meet up a few miles away at a secluded town park. When Amaralt arrived at the park, Baron violently assaulted him until he was injured to the point of collapsing on the ground. Baron then gave the pistol to his wife and ordered her to shoot Amaralt. When his wife refused, Baron forced Amaralt into the back seat of Amaralt's car and told his wife to begin driving. Not long after leaving the park, Baron shot Amaralt three times and killed him in the victim's own car while Baron's wife was driving. Then, Baron had his wife drive 200 miles north into a remote forest where they set up a campsite. While at the site, Baron forced his wife to decapitate Amaralt's body, and then he had her wrap it in a tarp and told her to bury it. The next day, Baron left his wife at the site to dispose of the body while he drove to nearby town of Keene to send fake text messages from Amaralt's phone to quell suspicion from Amaralt's family about his recent absence over the past two days. However, while Baron was gone, two fish and game conservation officers were tipped off by local hunters, and they discovered the campsite and instructed Brittany that she was trespassing and had to leave immediately. Well, the officers noticed a large brown tarp that was covering Amaralt's car, and they later noticed an object wrapped in a tarp lying in a nearby brook that turned out to be Amaralt's body. The officers immediately handcuffed and arrested Brittany, and at the police station, she confessed to everything that had happened. The police then arrested Armando and charged him with capital murder. He is currently being held in prison and awaiting trial in 2022. While this is an extreme and horrifying response of a husband in the face of adultery, it nonetheless portrays the way that adultery can ruin your life, literally end your life, and how unrelenting and unplacatable a husband's rage toward the adulterer can be. Husbands can become utterly irrational and out of control and violent when something as sacred as their marriage is violated by another man. They become like a bull that sees red. They can't stop until they have charged straight at it. In reflecting back upon the memorable statements made in this section of the Ninth Wisdom Speech, Solomon is pointing out that there is no escaping the consequences of the heinous and illicit act of adultery. With a sort of humorous irony, the metaphor of playing with fire highlights the sheer idiocy for someone who thinks that they can get away unscathed after committing this crime against their neighbor. The punishment and destruction of one's life by sleeping with a married woman is as certain as the outcome of scooping fire into one's own lap or walking upon hot coals. You can't play with fire and expect not to get burned. This is the wisdom of the proverb. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Words of Wisdom podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we would be so appreciative if you would share this podcast with your friends. 
And if you have been blessed by this work, please consider supporting the podcast by clicking on the donation link in the description.